Kia church. So as we continue this series in Lent here, uh, some of you might be sitting here today with a bit of a rumbling tummy. Uh, others might finally be free of some caffeine withdrawals or some other social media feeds perhaps are starting to gather dust. Uh, perhaps others here are craving coke, sugar or the like. And others might be wondering what on earth I'm talking about. You see, this year as a church, we're participating in this traditional Christian season of Lent, right? This 40-day commemoration of Jesus' fast in the wilderness, which Richard talked about a few weeks ago, uh, before he began his public ministry, but also a time that prepares us for the celebration of Easter. You remember, Lent starts these 40 days before Good Friday. And so today we're going to be looking at what Jesus said about fasting. So... I'd ask if you could turn with me now to uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. So as you turn there, this this reading comes from the Sermon on the Mount, which is a collection of Jesus' teaching about what life in the kingdom of God looks like, what life looks like as we follow Jesus. And Jesus says this, Matthew 6, 16. He says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So what is Jesus teaching us here? I think there's a few things Jesus is teaching us about fasting. But first of all, one really clear thing is Jesus assumes we will fast. Jesus in his teaching here, he assumes that if we are followers of Jesus, we will be people who are fasters. Now, I want to be very clear here. Jesus does not command us to fast here. And nowhere in the New Testament is this commanded. But Jesus is giving us instructions on how to fast, assuming that we will, right? I mean, it's pretty clear with those first three words, when you fast. Jesus doesn't say, if you fast, but neither does he say, you must fast. Instead, he simply assumes that we will. And I'd say, unfortunately, fasting has been fairly neglected by the evangelical church over the past few hundred years. And perhaps in part, this was a reaction against some of the abuses of fasting, and and particularly in the Middle Ages, when people took fasting to the extreme, competing against one another, and turning fasting... Uh, into legalism. But I also wonder if part of our rejection of fasting, and specifically fasting from food in the past 50 years, has more been just because we don't like discomfort. We don't like feeling hungry. (laughs) Richard Foster comments on this saying, the constant propaganda fed to us today convinces us that if we do not have three large meals each day, with several snacks in between, we're on the verge of starvation. This, along with the belief that we must satisfy every human appetite, has made fasting seem obsolete. To this, Jesus says to us, when you fast. And I'd encourage you, if you have your Bibles open, look around this passage. Uh, On the teaching on giving, he said just just above this at the beginning of Matthew 6, he says, when you give. In his teaching on prayer, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus has just said, when you pray. And now he says, when you fast. You know, I I think we'd all likely agree that giving is a part of following Jesus. And prayer, that's central, right? And Jesus talks about giving, prayer, and fasting in the same way. So Jesus assumes that we will fast. And, And I'd like to encourage us all, especially if you've never fasted from food before, that this is a practice, like prayer and like giving, that you should begin to incorporate into your life of following Christ. 
See, Jesus doesn't then go on and say fast for three days each week at these set times and not from these foods. No, Jesus doesn't want to make this legalistic. He doesn't want to turn this gift of fasting into an oppressive curse. So let's receive fasting as a gift from God and let's practice this gift, right? Because a gift is no good if it's just sitting there. Let's receive this and practice it. So, so first of all, Jesus teaches really clearly here. He's showing us that he assumes we will fast if we're a follower of Christ. And then Jesus gives us clear teaching on how not to fast, right? So let's look, go back to the text. And Jesus says, Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, in the time of Jesus, the Pharisees had prescribed that any good Jew had to fast twice a week. So they'd made this kind of like a law. Also, at the time of Jesus, there were two big market days in Israel. These were on Mondays and Thursdays, days when everyone would be out and about buying food and mingling in the city. So what two days do you think the Pharisees chose to fast on? Yep. Mondays and Thursdays, the Pharisees would fast and head out in public. So they would make their faces look gloomy. They wouldn't wash. Um, there's rumors that some of them would rub ash into their cheeks so they'd look pale and make themselves look more gaunt and would mess up their hair so it looked like they were suffering. Now, why, why would they do this on these days? Why would they make their fasting obvious and make their faces look so gloomy? Because they were fasting for their own glory. The Pharisees here wanted to fast so they could be lifted up. They wanted to fast so people would think they were super spiritual. The only reason they fasted was so others would notice. And do you hear what Jesus says here? He says, they've got their reward in full. <laughs> Jesus is saying here, you can fast for a reward from humans, or, as we'll see, offer a reward from God. But you can't fast for both. It's, it's your choice. And Jesus says, if you fast so that others will recognize you, you'll get your reward in full. It's a pretty useless reward, but if that's all you want, you'll probably get it. And so for us, there's a pretty clear teaching from Jesus here. Uh, when you and I choose to fast over these coming 40 days and beyond, it doesn't need to just stop at Lent. This should be something that's done in secret. Uh, don't go on Facebook telling people you're fasting. Don't do that passive-aggressive, well, not passive-aggressive, just that passive hint of like, I'm so hungry right now. Oh, I shouldn't shouldn't say why I am, don't worry. Hoping somebody will ask why. Because if you're only fasting for your friend's praises, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get a hungry tummy, and you're going to get a big head. <laughs> and fasting is so much more than that. You know, so Jesus... He assumes we'll fast. He's showing us how not to fast by making it obvious. But instead, Jesus goes on to say this. He says, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, I want to quickly touch on the first point Jesus makes here. He tells us how to fast. He says, put on your deodorant, wash your face, live normally. Don't make it obvious to others that you're fasting. And that's pretty clear advice, really, isn't it? So I'd encourage you, if you're joining us in fasting, just do it and then don't make a big deal about it. Don't tell everyone online that you're giving up on online life. Even those things you're abstaining from, if you're giving up from uh, Coke or coffee, if you're choosing that, I guess, just, just go and do it, right? Don't make a big deal about it. But I really want to focus on this last part of the verse here, right? Notice what Jesus says. He says, if we fast to God and to him alone, he will see our fast and he will reward us. So 
I want to make a real quick note on what Jesus is teaching us here. First of all, Jesus is being very, very clear that the motivation for our fasting matters. We could do a 40-day fast with zero food, but you know, if we do it for our own glory, that's all we're going to get. So the question that you have to kind of wrestle with here is, what is it that's driving your fasting? You might know from reading the Bible that in, in the year 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar came down with his armies. He finally broke down the walls of Jerusalem and he destroyed the temple of Israel, right? The people of uh, Judah went into exile to Babylon. And over these 70 years when they were captives in a foreign land, they decided to remember the sad time when, when the temple, God's house, was, was destroyed. They decided to remember it with a fast. So each year in a month that was called Ab, uh, which is kind of, I think it's in uh, July, August in our calendar, they would fast, right? And then after God brought them out of exile, they began rebuilding their temple. You can, you can read about this, especially in the book of Haggai, um, but you can hear also about this around some of the works of what Ezra was doing then. And so the temple was coming back. And so the, the people of Israel wondered, well, do we need to keep fasting? Do we need to keep remembering the sad time? And so the people of Israel, when they asked the prophet Zechariah, and it's fascinating, if you read Zechariah 7, verses 4 to 5, after the people have asked them, do we need to keep fasting? Listen to what he says. He says, Then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? Do you hear what God's saying here? He's saying, you guys weren't fasting for me or to me at all. You were fasting to remember a past event. Maybe you, the reason you've been fasting now is because we've just always done it. And Jesus, God is saying, your, your fasting is meaningless. So, so how can we make sure that we fast to God? Perhaps the biggest thing we can remember, I believe, is that fasting goes hand and hand in hand sorry, with prayer and with worship. See, if our fasting is to be centered on God, it makes sense that we're talking to God and giving thanks to him. See, see, when Jesus, as a young baby, was being dedicated at the temple, we read in the Gospel of Luke how this prophet named Anna comes up and speaks to Mary and Joseph. And can you remember how he describes the prophet Anna and what she does? In Luke 2.37, Luke writes, She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, doing what? Fasting and praying. Uh, in, in the book of Acts, with the early church, Luke describes the church at Antioch saying, Whilst they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, See, fasting in the New Testament always goes hand in hand with prayer and worship. So at a really practical, simple level, fasting serves as a reminder of this, as a reminder of our call to pray continually and to, to give glory to God, to worship Him at all times. Because I think at a real simple level, and this is how I've understood it, when we fast and we're hungry, you get those hunger pangs going, oh, we should have some food right now. It reminds us to pray and worship. The, the, the tummy rumbles and we go, oh man, I'm hungry for food, but you know what? I'm actually really hungry for God. It serves as this lovely kind of internal alarm clock reminding us of who God is. But, but you might be sitting there going, well, how on earth does fasting actually work? How does abstaining from food for a period of time do, do anything? Like, why is this so special? How does it work? And you want to know something? Jesus doesn't say how fasting works. The Bible doesn't say how fasting works. Nowhere in the Bible is there an explanation of what fasting does. It's a mystery. And, and I want to say that's okay, because we encounter plenty of mysteries every day. 
I have no idea how right now my computer is recording this video, turning it into digital things that can then be delivered wirelessly to you. I've got no idea how my car works. I don't know how Zoom, Teams, car remotes, guitar chords, electricity, and toddlers work. But you know what? I live and play and work with these mysteries every day and I'm okay with not knowing. <laughs> See, fasting is the same. It's a mystery as to what happens when we stop eating for a period and really seek to focus on God. But what's not a mystery is we're promised by Jesus here that we will be rewarded. That's a promise. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What might that reward be? Again, Jesus doesn't say. But I think there's a few hints as to what this reward could be. And I wonder if part of the reward is fasting reminds us that we are dust creatures like Richard preached, you know? Um, creatures made of the dust and God loves us as dust creatures. Because when we fast, we discover pretty quickly that we get hungry. It reminds us of our dependencies pretty quickly. And, and if we combine this with prayer and worship, which points us back to the Father, we recognize, man, I'm hungry. My God, my Creator, He doesn't hunger. He is dependent on no one, and yet this God chooses to love us and pour out His affection upon us. See, fasting kind of reminds us, oh yeah, I am not God, and that's a good thing. It puts us almost, and I mean this in a loving way, it puts us in the right place and it reorients us towards what's true and important. So it reminds us we're dust creatures. I wonder if that's a reward. I wonder if the reward is also reminding us that we're really sustained by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, Richard Foster, again, he says that when we're fasting, we're actually feasting on God and his word. And, and he says, perhaps this is why we're told not to act gloomy, because you know what? We shouldn't be gloomy. We're discovering the richness of a life centered on God, and it's a feast and a celebration. Uh, perhaps the reward also is God revealing how much we allow these non-essential things in our life to take that main throne room. See, when we fast, we recognize this. <laughs> we, 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 when we fast, we get this recognition that we're just driven by our cravings, you know? And, and, and what can happen is when you get hungry, uh, perhaps then you get frustrated and you're going, oh, I'm just going to go on Netflix to pass the time, or I'm just going to go to online shopping, or I'm just going to sit on Instagram or Messenger. I'm just going to, you know, this is what I go to when I'm in this space. And all of these things, which are good gifts from God, they become terrible when they become the main thing in our lives or the main thing we turn to when life isn't great. Perhaps there's other rewards too. Uh, people talk about how fasting, for some people, it increases their effectiveness in prayer for others because they're hungry to pray, so they keep praying. Um, some people, they choose to fast and pray for guidance with significant decisions. Some people fast and pray in times of trial and stress in response to seasons of suffering. But the truth is here, our Creator God, who, who knows us better than we know ourselves, who designed and created you, He has gifted us with fasting as a practice of humbling ourselves before Him and centering our lives on him. So although there's a mystery how that works, there's this beautiful rewards that are promised. So can I encourage you to take this gift of fasting? And around the time of Easter and the season of Lent, I think this is particularly important. Uh, because when you read the New Testament, I really do believe you, you, you recognize a couple of things. First of all, and this is pretty obvious when you read the New Testament, everyone is just incredibly focused on Jesus. I know that sounds silly, but it's true. When you think about it, the discussions of church, on social justice, on marriage, on money, on civil engagement, on morality, on how we should speak to one another, on all these things, they're all grounded and centered on Jesus. And when the church starts talking about these things divorced of Jesus, I think we're ceasing to be Christian. We've got to understand social justice 
through looking at Christ. We've got to understand marriage through looking at Christ, money through looking at Jesus. And the New Testament is just so focused on Christ. And, and second of all, zooming in even more, you know, there's, there's 89 chapters in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And of those 89 chapters, 29 of them, a third of them, are focused on this period of Jesus' death and resurrection. The New Testament is all about Jesus, but it's all about his death and resurrection, right? And the early followers of Jesus, just they just had this relentless focus on their crucified and resurrected Lord. And I wonder if we, in, in our lives, sometimes uh, tend to forget Jesus, or even more, tend to forget that our Jesus was crucified and resurrected until we get to Easter. And then we quickly remember it and, and the weight of this moment, and then we forget again for a year. So can I encourage you, in these coming weeks, in this build-up to Easter, can I encourage you to fast from food as part of our worship and remembrance of our crucified and resurrected King? And just as Paul wrote in Philippians, I want to know Christ. Can we also fast together praying and worshiping that we might know our suffering Savior more? You, you will be hungry. I mean, I know this sounds silly, but that's part of it. If you're fasting and you're hungry, that doesn't mean it's going wrong. It's, it's not going wrong if you're fasting and you're becoming grumpy or you're struggling. That's part of the process of humbling ourselves and receiving that beautiful reward of recognizing who we are and who our God is. So I encourage you to fast. And like Jeremy Lynn suggested, why not try fasting for a day a week, fasting from after dinner, so have dinner one night, and then fast and break your fast at dinner the next day. As you're doing this, keep drinking your water throughout the day. Don't tell others you're doing it. Don't make yourself look gloomy like the Pharisees did. Don't make a big deal out of it, right? And as you get hungry and your tummy rumbles, pray and worship. Fast because Jesus encourages us to. And fast because he promised that the Father would reward us when we do. So despite the mystery of fasting, despite the discomfort, despite the fact that if we're honest, fasting just seems really weird in our world, I encourage you to try fasting for one day per week and really seek to worship, pray, and know our crucified and resurrected Lord and King Jesus more and more. Let me pray. Triune God, we thank you for the gift of fasting. Jesus, we thank you that you fasted. And although we admit this is a mystery and we do not understand it totally, we receive this as a delightful gift. We pray that your spirit would guide us as we fast to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, to worship him to the glory of the Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen.